Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> let's, uh, <clears throat> let's open with prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us this morning. Thank you for your promises. Lord, we thank you for the prophecies that you've brought to us this morning. And uh, we pray that you would work them out in our lives. Thank you that you have made us your holy people, that you've called us, chosen us, and made us new in you. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning and change our lives, Holy Spirit. We welcome you today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, thanks to Zadok this morning because he got the PowerPoint working when it wasn't working before. And uh, uh, he's there for a purpose. We're all called for a purpose. And uh, this morning I want to talk about who we are in Christ and the point being the word that God is saying to us this morning is that in Christ we are holy, each one of us, uh, in him. I'm an elementary school teacher. I teach upper elementary and junior high. So don't take this personally when I ask you this question. Did you brush your teeth today? Did you brush your teeth this morning? Um, I, I'm not trying to get nosy or uh, be ignorant. It's just that um, the Lord gave me an analogy and uh, I want to uh, get us in the right frame of mind about it. You know, I don't, I don't go to bed at night or to work in the morning without brushing my teeth or taking a shower. Um, it's just, uh, uh, that's, that's what, um, that's my habit. Uh, there was one time, I remember last year, I got to chapel in the morning and I was singing and all of a sudden I thought, I didn't brush my teeth. And I covered my mouth and didn't say too much until I went home uh, at recess time and brushed my teeth. Um, You guys aren't elementary kids, so you probably don't need to hear this, but it, uh, I read in Wikipedia, it said, individuals that practice oral hygiene have about 1,000 to 100,000 bacteria living on each tooth surface, while less clean mouths can have between 100 million and 1 billion bacteria on each tooth. And uh, these things, these things, this happens at night and it's beyond our control. It happens during the day as we breathe. It's beyond our control. But, but what we can control is getting rid of them, right? And I also looked up on Listerine.com. Did you know they had a website? It says, if you don't clean your teeth and your whole mouth regularly, food particles can remain in your mouth and a sticky buildup of bacteria, also known as plaque, can form on your teeth. The uneven surface of your tongue, as well as your tonsils, can trap food particles and bacteria in the mouth, which produce bad breath odor. Poor oral hygiene also causes other oral health conditions, such as cavities and gum disease, which are also associated with bad breath. They can also make you lose your teeth. And so, um, no, you know, this morning, my, the point of my sermon is not about cleanliness is next to godliness. But uh, I just want to, God wants to speak to us about who we are as his holy people. And uh, really, a, a few weeks ago, when in my, in my quiet time, he gave me a word, um, talking about what it means for us to live as his holy people. And he said this. I think it's printed in your notes. I have called you by name. You are mine. Therefore, live as my holy people. You are holy if you trust in me. That's why we are holy. We are holy in Christ. We are holy by the blood of Jesus. He has taken away our sins and made us born again, given us his spirit, and we are new. 
The one who believes in me does not live in sin, just as a person who takes a shower does not live in dirt and grime after he gets dirty. You don't go to work in the morning without brushing your teeth. You can't help the bacteria growing in your mouth at night, but you brush them away every morning and night. You don't embrace them. Some people do. I guess they have their own ecosystem that they carry around with them. But that's not, that's not the healthy way to live. You don't embrace them. Grace makes you my clean people. What makes us his clean people? Grace. My holy people. Being holy, you put on my righteousness by the means of grace every day. Be holy then, as I am holy. You are my offspring, holy in me. That's who we are in Christ. Let me, let's repeat here. In Christ, you are what? Holy. And he wants us to live as holy people in this world. Um, however, it's really true that in this world, we live in an environment that daily, regularly splatters us with spiritual dirt. True? Um, let me just risk, list some things here, some, some reasons. Although we're born again, we still live in mortal bodies with our sinful nature. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you have felt that? Yeah, just like the disciples did on the night before Jesus died. Another thing is that although we are growing in Christ, we've been born again and we are growing, we are not mature and we are not fully mature, right? And so we have our weaknesses um, until we reach that point, which is probably when we go to heaven to be with him. Thirdly, we have an enemy who tempts us and is trying to take us down. Uh, scripture says he prowls about like a roaring lion, seeing whom he may devour, right? And he does not want to see God's holy people living holy lives in, in this world. Also, we live among sinful people. It's challenging for us to properly, to, to properly relate to the people around us um, and to walk in love and forgiveness, hating the sin but loving people who do sin. And sometimes that's just in the body of Christ. That's just other Christians, and let, let alone the ungodly people who are in the world. We're surrounded by wrong ideologies that influence us. Um, they bring confusion. Lies lead us to sin and other problems in our lives. How can we understand and believe the truth so that we can live an abundant life that God intends for us? There are daily temptations to sin. The Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is something that's with us in our earthly nature uh, that needs to be overcome. Around us there are distractions that abound. They waste our time. They draw us away from God's true calling and purpose for our lives. And, uh, and we have to deal with those things. And add on top of that the fact that because we have an enemy... Uh, the world hates us. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And if, if you belong to the world, it would love you as, uh, as itself. But because you, we belong to Christ, the world hates us. Um, the Bible says that anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so... Um, this is the kind of spiritual dirt that accumulates on us, the stuff that mucks us up on a daily basis in our lives. And just thinking about, just like those germs that multiply in our mouths at night while we sleep, uh, this stuff just accumulates in, in, in our life and um, 
because of where we live. But what the Lord is saying is we don't embrace it. Uh, we wash it off. He's given us means of grace to live on a daily basis as holy people and not to embrace uh, the environment of the world around us. Um, let's, um, in First Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 13, it says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So there's a commandment there. Be holy because he is holy. We are his children. That is our new nature when we're born again. What does that, what does that word mean, though, to be holy? In the Greek, the word is hagios. And uh, it means this, different, unlike something else. For the believer, it means the likeness of, na- likeness of nature with the Lord. The same nature as the Lord, but different from the sinful nature, from the earthly nature uh, that is so common around us. Because we are different from the world. It implies something set apart and therefore different and because we are special to the Lord. That's the meaning of holy. Um, So a lot of times we think of holy as perfect and sinless, uh, and that is the Lord's nature, and that's who we really are in Christ. Uh, But it's, it's more than that on a practical daily basis. Um, So we live in a world that's corrupted by sin, selfishness, rebellion, and all kinds of things contrary to God's nature. When we were saved, we were born again and made new and holy like God through faith in Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit who came to dwell in us. We were adopted into God's family and given the righteousness of Christ. We were given restored purpose in the world as brothers and sisters of Jesus in God's family. We're different from the world. We're special to the Lord. Um, In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes about this new holy life we have. He says, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We have a new life. So now he talks about, he's going to talk about how do we live. He says some strong words here. Put to death, therefore. Those are strong words. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then a list of things. Maybe not an exhaustive list, because uh, the exhaustive list would be exhausting. (laughs) Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. How many of us have been convicted already in that short list? what is it saying? It's saying, put to death. You take your, a swig of Listerine, what are you doing to the um, bacteria that grow in your mouth at night? You're putting to the, them to death. You're executing them, right? You're washing them away and you're spitting them out. Um, that's what he's saying about the, these kind of desires and, and activities that are of what nature? the earthly nature, 
Do you have an earthly nature? Yes, we do. We live in a, in a fleshly body. There is, Paul talked about the fact that we have a, a sinful nature. We have a flesh as long as we live in this body in the world. We, we have to. If we are apart from the body, we are with the Lord, right? And if we, what Paul also says those about, about that nature, though, is that it's legally dead. Because Jesus gave his life on the cross, he took that on the cross, and it's dead, and it's not the real us. It's not the only nature we have. In fact, the true you and the true me who have faith in Christ is the born again one with, if it's not an earthly nature, it must be a heavenly nature, right? A godly nature. And that's who we, who we really are. But there's a battle and we need to put to death that just like we would put to death the little mites that crawl on your skin and we wash them down the drain in the shower, right? Because we don't want them multiplying and feeding on the dirt and sweat that's on, on your skin. And the same, <laughs> so, um, I just, I, I feel like the analogy shows us uh, truths about how, how we live our spiritual lives here on earth. Um, verse six says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So those things are, are not good. Those things are destructive. The sin is, sin is destructive. And as God's holy people, there's a reason he's made us holy because sin is destructive. He's delivered us from that but he doesn't want but living in this world he doesn't want us to embrace that because it's destructive it's and it's um, ruinous to our faith it's ruinous to the purposes that he has for us in our lives here on earth and beyond you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived the next two words are key but now But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. The list is getting longer and more personal here. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I've got a lot of clothes at my house, and I have clothes for different purposes. I have running clothes. Uh, I've got work clothes in my dresser. I've got nicer clothes. I tried to put on some of my better clothes today to go to church. Um, and perhaps you do too. There are clothes that we have taken off when, when we came to Christ. And uh, he's given us robes of righteousness to put on. Um, and, and so maybe Paul is alluding to that in our daily lives, that now you are a new purpose, it's time to take off those old ones that have gotten dirty and put on the new clean ones that have been washed by Jesus in his laundromat. You understand what I'm saying? And they still are your clothes given to you by him, but they are, they are clean. What, are, what kind of things are those clothes? Um, that are, let's go back to verse 10. You've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, these are the things that are renewed, these are the things that are coming back from God's laundry into your life, 
by the Holy by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So do you see that he's talking about our daily lives? He's talking about a renewing process. And I, I believe that really fits with what the, what the Lord said, that because we live in this world, on a daily basis we are affected by, by the world and the things around us. God is renewing us and he's put, the good news is, he's not saying do your laundry, stay clean. He's saying, he's saying put on the things that my Holy Spirit is working in you. Put those things on. Somebody at our house does laundry. Sometimes it's me, but usually it's not. But these piles of clean clothes end up there for me to, to pick out of and, and put on for whatever purpose I need, need to do. And um, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who puts his fruit in our lives. He's living in us and he makes things available. What's our job? Our job is not to keep hanging out in the old same dirty clothes, but to put on the new ones. And there, there's a, there is a cooperation that we have with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who, who provides. He's the one who does the job. And it's us to cooperate. And he's give, he says he's given us these means of grace. Uh, there is a grace that saves us, and there is a grace that we walk in that salvation in our daily life until we go to heaven to be with him. And uh, there are means of grace to help us walk that path. What is that? What are those things? Uh, There are a few of them that I've picked out. One, the first one is family. You know, we've been called to be in God's family, part of a community of faith in Jesus. And... uh, He's not left us alone to live out our faith in this world. First of all, he's, there's a father in the family. God is in our fa- family. And he's given us the Holy Spirit here on earth to be with us. God, Jesus is present everywhere, and we say, Jesus lives in my heart, and that's true. But the person that he's put here uh, in our midst and to live in us is, is the Holy Spirit. He is one with God the Father and Jesus. He is here on earth and Jesus said his purpose is to uh, basically download all the resources of heaven into our lives. The wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the power, the provision, all of those things um, come through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, is such an important thing. It's, it's such an important thing to walk in daily relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is also the one who facilitates more perfect communication between us and the Father in heaven and Jesus because uh, he enables us to pray. It says he intercedes on our behalf. He knows what we need and he prays it when we don't know what we need. And he also... Uh, communicates what God wants to say, what the Father wants to say to us, to us. And so he is family and he is always with us. Uh, And so uh, we don't want to ignore him, we don't want to grieve him, we don't want to be preoccupied so that we don't relate to him. How many of you know you can be in a family and not see each other very often? You can be in a family and not relate to one another very deeply right? And the world does that to us too on a, in a worldly basis, but in a spiritual way, we can have the same issue with the one in our family, uh, the Holy Spirit. He's also, though, given us brothers and sisters. 
uh, in our, our brothers and sisters in the faith. And uh, he's, these are people who are like us, used to be sinners, and now are holy. But they people who have been transformed, who have the spirit of God living in them, who have been called, given special purpose, equipped, empowered, uh, and, um, trans- and, and changed, uh, and growing to be able to be a real help to us, to, ab- to be able to be people who come alongside and provide us the grace that we need to strengthen us in our purpose and calling on a daily basis. And we cannot say, I don't need you, because it's just me and God in this family. But it, it's, it's um, that we need to be in fellowship with them and in rela- a relationship with them. Uh, we were never meant to walk the Christian life alone. God does not want us to try to do that. We are his body and his family, and we're meant to function together as a unit, as a team. And that's a, it's a means of grace in our life. Another function of grace that he's given us is repentance of sins. And uh, when we came to Christ to, to be saved, there's a repentance of sin. We repented from sins. But there's another sense of repentance of sins that's a daily necessity um, that we confess our sins to the Lord and receive his forgiveness and healing. Uh, yeah, Christ already paid the price for all our sins, those in the past, present, and even the future. And yet, sin is destructive to our relationships. Uh, it can be destructive to our health. Even it can be destructive to our faith if left unchecked and unrepented. And so I'm talking about this sense of repentance uh, that we bring it, the things that we get uh, caught in, uh, fall into, uh, even sometimes choose to do, we, we come to the Father with that and ask for daily forgiveness. Um, if we discover... If you discovered that you had a, an infection somewhere in your body, you would try to wash it and, and treat it, right? Uh, if, you, if you discovered that you had an infestation of lice, you would address it. I'm sorry to keep bringing up gross things this morning. The, purpose, the point is, that's what, that's what sin is like in our life. It's, it's destructive. It prevents us from interacting with the people around us in a proper way. And it, and it hinders, even in our communication relationship with God, to some extent. And God is saying, uh, don't embrace that. You are not called to walk in that. We are called to walk in uh, holiness. We have two other allies in this process of repentance too, and they're the same ones. It's the Holy Spirit and our brothers and sisters. Um, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. He intercedes on our behalf. And our brothers and sisters are called to minister to us encouragement and healing in these matters and also to pray for us. Uh, James 5.16, uh, he's talking about asking prayer for healing. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Who's a righteous person? We We all are. And uh, so he has called us to pray for one another. What kind of healing are we talking about? Well, it could be physical healing. It could be spiritual healing, but it, there is a connection here between uh, confessing sin and receiving forgiveness and also receiving healing at the same time. Um, 
And I'm, what I'm not saying is that all physical healing is a result of s- specific sin, but what I'm saying is, is that when we sin, uh, there's some part of us that needs restoration or healing, and that God has sent our brothers and sisters to help us in that process for whatever reason. Um, he also says in Hebrews chapter 10, an encouragement, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain of his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And, you know, that could be talking about us giving our lives to Jesus. But I think it's more talking to believers about um, coming, being, being confident to come to God to repent of our sins and bring our needs, our daily needs, to him. And we have a way open to us by Jesus um, because of what he did. And he is our high priest. And and the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to come with confidence. That you know, the problem with one of the problems with sin is that it causes us guilt. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was hide from God, and they were covered with shame. And what what he's saying here is, no, when you sin, come right to the throne, and ask for forgiveness. You have a new and living way and your father will receive you because of your high priest Jesus and what he's done for you. And he will uh, cleanse you from that guilty conscience, that guilty conscience which will so hinder you from fulfilling God's calling in your life and heal and cleanse you from your sins. Um, Having your bodies washed with pure water. Uh, there's a, an allusion there to baptism, but I think even more than that, that, that it's a, there's, a, there's a daily thing, that water is an image, a, a type of the Holy Spirit um, working in us, washing us uh, on a daily basis. Verse 23 says, Let us hold resolutely to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Pull those articles of clothing out of your closet and put them on. Hey, we don't usually talk to each other about what clothes we're wearing. But as Christians, as believers, uh, we want to help each other uh, like we do in the family. Like, oh, I really like it when you wear that that outfit, Kath, uh, you know, or whatever, put, the, put this on. Let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25 says, uh, let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So do you see in these verses another theme running through it, and that is, there is a day approaching that we are supposed to fix our hope on. The word hope, setting your hope, as in, the, as in two of the passages that I've read so far, on what comes after this life, on eternal life, and when we will be together with him. When we will be pulled out of this grimy, dirty, hazardous place in which we're called to work and live um, to the life, the eternal life that we have with him. And we're saying, you know, we're camping in this place that only has an outhouse, and, but we are going back home and it's beautiful there. So set your hope on that and, and don't just figure out how we can um, stay in these or, or stay in these army trenches that we're, where we're sitting in mud up to here uh, with, with our fellow soldiers. 
there's, there's a return home that we're looking forward to. Remind each other of that so you don't get bogged down in this, in this situation that we're living in. I'm speaking in a lot of different analogies right now. Sorry for mixing them. Um, so another means of grace that we have is, is the word of God. To wash ourselves in the word of God. And, you know, God's word is our precious treasure for us. And there's a reason why the enemy has, over the years, so, much, so persecuted those who translate the Bible into the common language of the people. Uh, one of the guys in England, was it Wycliffe or was it... Uh, they dug up his bones and, and burned them again just, just to make sure they got, that he got punished. Um, and those who go out and preach the gospel, why, why is, you know, it's one thing to be a Christian, but if you, if you try to preach the gospel and spread the word of God, you draw more persecution. And there's a good reason why our enemy does that, because the word of God is so valuable in our lives, because it is the truth. Um, sin, why, why, what causes sin in believers' lives? A lot of times we could trace it to the fact that we, uh, number one, we, we might have been ignorant of the truth, or number two, there's a lie that we bought into and believed and we fell into deception and therefore fell into sin. Uh, or thirdly, that there are times when we may just rebel against the truth because we don't like it. And hopefully that's, that's, that's not the main issue. But sin comes from um, some kind of uh, being deceived and not following God's truth. But God's word is truth. It's living and active through the Holy Spirit when we read or hear it, right? And uh, it's his word that washes us with truth and cleans us from spiritual muck that sticks to us daily. Why do we say read your Bible every day, read your Bible regularly, hear the word of God, listen to good sermons? Why? Because you make yourself a better Christian that way and no. It's not because we're earning anything, it's not a religious exercise to make merit, but it's to it's like brushing your teeth or taking a shower with the truth. And uh, let me read a few references that talk about that. In Ephesians 5, it, talks, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And it's talking, I believe this is talking about a function that husbands have with their wives, a responsibility that we have with our wives to speak the word over their lives and our children as well. But he, he goes back and says, actually I'm talking about Christ in the church, that Jesus speaks his word, washes us with his word of truth. And the purpose is that in the, on that day, he will present us as a bride, washed, clean, beautiful, spotless, and holy um, for himself. In John 15, three, Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And in John 17, 17, he prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He's praying to the Father. And so sanctify means made holy, washed, set apart, and made clean. And so um, take advantage of this means of grace. Wash with the word daily, regularly, it's an important part of living our lives holy to the Lord. And one last thing that I want to touch on, one, one kind of means of grace is this, walking in God's purpose for our purposes for our lives. 
Um, that definition I read about holy, it means different, it means set apart, it means special, and not, not only just sinless. Uh, in the Bible, it talks about God being holy, angels being holy, people being holy, but it talks about other things being holy. Uh, articles of the temple and the tabernacle, things like bowls, candle, uh, uh, candlesticks, and uh, altars and things like that. Also, building, certain buildings and certain places, the Bible talks about being holy. And how, how does that work? And what does that mean for us? What can we take anything from that? Um, I was listening to a sermon by Philip Goodson from the church that Stephen trained up at in Wisconsin in Kenosha, Living Light Church. And uh, he explained an aspect of this aspect of holiness, um, talking about those articles in the temple. And he said this, what made a bowl holy? What made the lampstand holy? This is not the whole thing of holiness, but it's a part of it. That bowl was holy when it was used for what God intended it to be used for. It was the fact that it was consecrated and set apart and was to be used for a particular purpose. If you want to experience some holiness in your life, understand what God has created you and made you and called you to do and do it and you're holy. Holiness is not just about me walking in a sinless perfection which we're not going to do anyway. It's not about just being that part or looking that part or overcoming that sin in my life. But am I being used for what God created me to be used for? And if I'm being used for that, I'm holy unto the Lord. It's a different aspect about holiness, uh, but I believe it's, it's a biblical thing that he was pointing out there, and that is holy means set apart and useful for the Lord. So the question is, how, how do we know when we are being used, when we are walking in the purpose that God has designed for our lives? And I would say we go back to the beginning. The first step one, yield to him surrender to him and say, Holy Spirit, I know you have a purpose for me. Show me what it is. I heard uh, one of the young men that graduated from our school was given a prophecy last week in Illinois when he was going to serve in a thing there and, and a woman came up to him and gave him a prophecy and says, God's got purposes for your life. Do you accept it? And uh, I don't think she told, I don't think she said specifically what they were. She just said, do you choose, do you choose to accept it? And sometimes that's, um, that's what surrender means to God is, uh, do you offer yourself to him to, be, to walk in his purpose, whatever it might be? That means you believe that what is purpose for you is good and that you're... <laughs> And that you trust him to lead you into that. And that you, by his strength, by the power of his spirit, will give what you have to be able to walk in it and obey that. And uh, so I think that's the first step. Offer yourself to what his will is for your life and submit to his lordship. Then, with that frame of mind, the second step is seek him and ask him, Lord, what, it is, what is it that you want me to do? We ask him a lot of things, but how often do we ask him, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today? What is it that you want me to do with my life? And I'm guessing that actually most or all of us here probably have prayed that prayer before, right? But are we, are we seeking that? What, his, what is his purpose for our life? Um, because remember, he, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things, they'll be given to you as well. So he's saying, don't waste, don't, don't waste all your energy and thinking and time 
asking for all those things that your father already knows that you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his purpose for your life, and all those things will be added to you as well. Ask him to reveal himself and his truth in you. And I think the third step is then praise and thank him for your life, for your salvation, for making you holy and who, who you are in him, for, for bringing you into his family, and ask him to show you those purposes as they come about and open those right doors for you to walk through them. And uh, that's a way of walking in holiness. I want to close with a, a Bible passage, 1 Thessalonians two thirteen and 14. It says, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of whom? The Holy Spirit. That's encouragement, right? Because whose work is it? Sanctifying means making you holy and set apart, right? Whose work is that? The Holy Spirit. How did we get in that position? Because God chose you to be saved through that work and through belief in what? The truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's something to set your hope on. In a way, this is something we've heard all the time, and in a way, this is something that's so contrary to the way the world lives, and we as the church need to be careful that, that we don't get so distracted and enveloped by the world that we're not living in holiness. You understand what I'm saying? I'm preaching to the choir but I'm preaching what, what the New Testament preaches over and over again. And that is in your lives in this world as God's holy sanctified people, don't forget who you are and what your purpose is and, and the means that God has given you to walk and be different, not the same as the world. And therefore, as you do that, he will guide you through this world to the glory that we have been promised, the hope that we've been called to. And as we go, we will help one another and take advantage of means of grace to, to do that. There's a part of it, it's the work of God, and there, but there's a part of it that's a daily discipline on our part. You know what I'm saying? As in, there, there's an involvement that we step in and embrace who we are in him. So I think now it's the best thing to do is pray. And uh, Lord, I just want to give thanks to you for my brothers and sisters. And I want to give thanks to you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for, thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you do. Thank you that you've called us to meetings like this and you said don't neglect no, don't neglect these things where we come together, where you speak to us through, through one another, through the prophecies. Lord, I just, again, give thanks to you that you put us into your family. And I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you have opened a, a pathway to the throne of grace that we, each one of us might uh, come before you and that we might humble ourselves before you where we can come and be washed and made clean. We thank you, Lord, that although we live in a, 
in this life with a, an earthly nature. We are made new and we are new people and that's who we are in you. We are holy. We are holy unto you. Help us to walk in that holiness in our daily lives. Lord, we come before your throne of grace, not with shame this morning, but with boldness, coming to the one who loves us, the one who forgives us. And we ask that you would cleanse us, that you would renew us, that you would cause us to be renewed in the truth, that our minds would be renewed, that we'd be newly filled with your Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And that we would be willing to say, yes, Lord, I follow you. Uh, No matter what the mission is, I choose to accept it. And I will not seek what this world seeks for myself, but I will seek your kingdom and your righteousness because I know it's better by far. And I know that you're looking out for my interests in this world, all these things that I need, the things that... the the entertainment that I need, the physical things I need, the, the matters that I need to deal with in this world because I live here. I know that you know what I need already and that you are working on my behalf. Free us up, Lord, to seek, seek you and your word and your truth and be filled with your spirit. Lord, we love you and we bless you. We want, we are looking forward to seeing your uh, house full on that day like we heard this morning that your house will be filled and we will be part of it and many others that we meet along the way will be part of it too we bless you Lord we thank you in Jesus name we love you Lord Amen